0: Put you in. What's your favorite scary movie? We're gonna press on and we're gonna have the half, hap, happiest Christmas. I'll never turn to the dark side. Into them, then walk, log Can you introduce me as Joker? I am the father. Can you hear the music, Robert? Yes, I can. Hi everybody and welcome back to Phil with the Movies. I'm your host, Phil Walsh, and you're listening to episode number 96 of this ongoing podcast series that is for The Love of Movies. Happy Friday! Happy New Movie Day! I know I will be checking out *Lisa Frankenstein*, which opens everywhere uh, today, as of this recording. Uh, new, uh, sort of a horror comedy movie that uh, just looks to be right up my uh, my alley. So I, I will report back to you with my thoughts and reactions to that film, uh, which is uh, incidentally directed. Uh, it's the directorial uh, debut uh, by Zelda Williams, who uh, is the daughter of the late and great. Robin Williams so uh much much anticipation and hype for me uh, surrounding this uh this this film which stars uh, Cole Sprouse and, and Catherine Newton. But it, it looks to be a a, a hilarious and and bloody tastic uh horror comedy that is set in the nineteen eighties and is sort of a send up of of the uh sort of the John Hughes movies of the day uh with the uh with the tenor and the grace of a Frankenstein movie. So uh I'll report back to you uh after I have seen the movie and give you my reaction. But uh today going to be talking about a movie that I had teased out last week uh, that I now can uh, discuss freely since the embargo has lifted. Uh, But before I begin, just a little bit of housekeeping, as I often do at this point uh, point of the show. Uh, As I said, this is episode number 96, so that means we are now four episodes away from the 100th episode, triple digits, of this show, which it is kind of crazy to think about uh, that. That there's been almost 100 episodes of this show, and again, that is only made possible truly by you, the listeners, uh, and frankly, friends of this show. I-, I can tell you, when I started doing this back in 2022, I never thought for for a moment that it would last beyond maybe five, ten, if I was lucky. Uh, but here we are, in episode number 96, four away from 100 and uh, see no, no reason to stop now again I love movies clearly if you're listening to this show you love movies uh, it's sort of a nice little uh, uh, symbiotic uh, uh, relationship we have going on here. I don't know. But uh, any event, thank you from the bottom of my heart. In, in all seriousness, thank you from the bottom of my heart for your continued support, your friendship, and and your enthusiastic embrace of this show. It really means a lot. And I would just uh, you know ask a small favor. If you can, uh, share this uh, podcast with your friends, your family, anybody you think might enjoy listening to a passionate movie buff go on and on, perhaps too long at some points. Over his love of movies, let me you know, fill you in, so to speak, on all things cinema. And uh, lastly, uh, if you could uh, be so kind, rate and review this on on Apple Podcast. Uh, drop a drop a review, drop a rating. It really helps with uh, boosting the uh, the the numbers and, and getting uh, this podcast into as many uh, earbuds, if you will, as possible. Again, all all one step at a time, all for the love of movies, but. On that note, as I indicated, we're on episode number 96 now. That means four away from the 100th episode. And that will be, uh, again, if everything goes according to plan, that episode will be on March 8th. And that is actually perfectly timed to coincide with the lead-up to Oscar weekend. So what a perfect way to celebrate the 100th episode uh, in, in a few weeks by... Counting down and, and sort of anticipating and, and predicting what is going to happen on Oscar Sunday, and I will just tease it out a little further right now. Uh, I'm going to do an episode that following Monday, the Monday after the Oscars, and give you my reactions to the uh, to the winners and and to those who uh, did uh, d- uh, did did not go home with Oscar gold, uh, shall we say? But uh, again all 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 aboard the Oppenheimer train and i am going to continue to uh to say it and, and continue to uh, uh declare my uh my love for this film as, as you all know if you've listened to this show for many months you know that it was my favorite film of the year and, and Christopher Nolan uh, remains my favorite filmmaker of of all time I think he is truly a cinematic genius and I am just endlessly delighted that this film continues to garner the praise and, and appreciation uh, because I really do think it is uh, not, not to use that uh, certainly overused word but it is a masterpiece for all intents and purposes so uh, again all aboard the Oppenheimer train from now until Oscar Sunday and even then I'm sure we'll probably revisit the film time and again but alright that's that's enough uh, for that uh, for now we'll be back in a few weeks to discuss it and, and hype it up even more but as I said last week I saw a film that I, I wasn't able to talk about because of an embargo uh, I did a review uh, for Geeks Vibe Nation and, and I will leave the uh, the review to the movie in the show notes if you'd like to read my thoughts as well after uh, you hear my my uh, my, uh, my my vocal take <laughs> on it if you will Uh, but the movie is called molly and max in the future and the best way i can describe this film first off let me just start off by saying i loved it this was a film that i looking at the trailer i wasn't entirely sure i would enjoy Uh, it sort of it sort of fell into my lap by by accident and again, watching the trailer, I was like, mm, I don't know if this is going to be for me, because as I said, it's the best way to describe it. It's when Harry met Sally, but set in space. So right then and there, you have sort of a, a unique idea and image about what this film Entails, and watching the trailer, I was like, "Well, I'll give it. A, you know, I'm going to give it a try. I'm going to see how it goes. I'm writing a review for it, so again, okay, we'll see. Uh, we'll see how it how it how it lands. Well, this is one of those instances where the trailer doesn't sell the film uh, a, a, as well as it could, or, or, or I should say, get past the trailer because the film itself is an absolute blast. It, it is a marvelous, funny romantic comedy and what I appreciate about this film is it has the look and feel of say a say a Blade Runner you know it's very futuristic it's set in, in different galaxies on different planets and going into other dimensions even if mean, it's a, it's truly a sci-fi spectacular but all of the sort of the window dressings and the trappings and, and the look of the film it, it, it's very reminiscent of Blade Runner, but imagine if Blade Runner was directed by Rob Reiner, the the director of of When Harry Met Sally, and that kind of is the marriage, if you will, of of these so of these two extreme concepts. Because you know certainly you know romances and and, and rom coms can take place in any different setting and, and situation, but it's a it's a stretch to sort of put it in this sort of integral intergalactic uh, uh, panel, if you will, and and, and still make it uh, interesting and relevant and have characters that are not just sort of blending into the spectacular backgrounds. I, this film is, is, is a treat. And, and on the note, I just want to say right off the top about the sets and look of the film, you would think a movie like this would be all computer-generated images. You would think it would be... Uh, you know, all done in a computer. It's not. There is very, very little digital work done for this film. One of the things that, that really resonated with me after I uh, sort of read about uh, the film in, in, in the lead up to my reviewing for it uh, is that the sets, the costumes, the, the whole production stage, is for real. There's nothing here that is a digital recreation. There's a little force projection in areas and little touch-ups, but everything here is done for real. And that, I have to say, really sells this film because a lot of times when you have these big sci-fi epics, it's just the actors against a green screen. And, and you can tell that they're not in front of anything real or tangible. Well, the fact that there are, there are sets, there are props, there are get spaceships, if you will, that are doubling as cars uh, flying around here. It really adds to the believability and the connection with this universe. It makes the characters in the situation pop. They are now three-dimensional as opposed to just sort of a flat surface that that really kind of sold me on it before I even watched it. And then once you watch the film and you're sort of taken with the characters, it's, it's an absolute delight. And... Sometimes in a, in a rom-com, the, the characters and the dialogue is very uh, very sappy. It's, it's over-the-top. It's, it's melodramatic. And the characters are, at times, very one-dimensional. That's not the case here. Molly and Max are three-dimensional characters. They, they act and sound like real people. Despite the extravagant and over-the-top settings, they actually talk as though how we would hear on, on planet Earth. And that's, again, something that I think is really... Uh, important for a film like this because once you sort of have these you know, long speeches and sort of like wooden dialogue or even just sort of like uh, you know cute lines for the sake of having them it diminishes the the effectiveness and even though the setting is is spectacular and the and the scenery is out of this world literally the story is grounded in something audiences can relate to and understand. And the, 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 the two main characters, Molly and Max are, are just, are just a delight. They, they, Again, they exude a charm, a warmth. Again, think of when Harry met Sally. There's a very similar kinship to to their dynamic because these are two opposites who keep running into each other over the course of about 12 years on different planets, different, uh, different uh, galaxies, and yet ultimately they find themselves being pulled together. And it's that familiar dance of will they, won't they, but... It feels fresh, it feels interesting, and I just had an absolute blast with this film. So I am recommending uh, to you Molly and Max in the future. What a perfect movie uh, ahead of Valentine's Day. If you're looking for uh, or something a little uh, little off-kilter, if you will, not quite uh, the usual uh, lovey-dovey uh, romance movie, this is something I would recommend. Again, funny, real, grounded performances – and spectacular effects and sets that just make this film all the more wholesome and and real and just something you want to watch again and again. It, it's it's both visually stunning and it and it warms your heart at the same time. So Molly and Max in the future, check it out. Uh, I had an absolute trip with this film, and I would uh, recommend it for uh, even the most uh, cynical of, uh, of of of. of uh, romantics, if you will. This th- there's a little something in this movie for everybody. But that was the movie that I saw last week, and it was a kind of was wait, Couldn't wait to tell you about it because it, it really did uh, resonate, and, and was as I said, it was out of this world. Uh, to, not to put too fine a point on it, but so that's the uh, that was the big movie that I, I saw last week. Uh, in addition, let me look back on the week that was, as I've been mentioning, I've been trying to keep a log of all the films I have watched from the beginning of the year, and again, so far, with I think about one or two exceptions, I have seen a film every day, every night, and again, for someone who enjoys movies, who loves movies, uh, there's nothing more uh, enjoyable than, than being able to find a new film or, or rediscover one you haven't seen for a while, or perhaps uh, even uh, check out something uh, new and different, but... In addition to that, let me see, what was the week that 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 was, so to speak? Well, I revisited a true classic, and I I don't mean to sound uh, too uh, uh, sort of uh, cliched, if you will, when I say that, but uh, the film The Bride of Frankenstein. I don't think I've talked about this film before on the show. I know I've talked about the original Frankenstein starring Boris Karloff and a number of the Universal Monster movies. But I have to say, because I watched that film this week, The Bride of Frankenstein is without question the best Universal Monster movie. It, it just hands down from a story perspective, from a filmmaking Perspective from a sequel perspective. Again, this was a uh, a sequel and arguably one of the first mainstream ones of the day that actually picks up the threads of where the last one left off. But uh, it's again these movies are not meant to be uh, frightening necessarily by modern standards. I mean, they're they're relatively tame uh, compared to what is made today, but this is this is a a film that is is worthy of of the of, of the of the word sequel if you will it it lives up to both the hype and it frankly surpasses the original and and i would even say boris karloff outdoes himself as the monster in this particular one, I think even Henry Clive uh, is on another is on a whole other level with this performance. Again, it's a little more uh, a little more grounded, a little more nuanced, and again, it, it's just it's it's how you do a sequel, uh, particularly for you know what was it 1935? So we're talking you know, close to 100 years ago. But you know, for a film that was you know certainly it was a labor of love. Uh, it took a few years to to make and, and to produce it really is a triumph and and I I've I've always seen it ranked as one of the great uh you monster movies or 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 horror sequels, if you will. And and I just wanted to put my little uh my little stamp on of approval of it because it really does uh does warrant that kind of praise and accolades and it's a film that uh, I think should be in anybody 's uh anybody 's ranking of horror sequels uh just the whole the whole laboratory sequence at the end of the film is really thrilling and exciting and and what I find so fascinating about a lot of these universal monster movies because i've i 've rewatched a few of them recently from the original Frankenstein Dracula and uh, the uh, the Invisible Man. These are not long movies they, they are about an hour and ten minutes hour and fifteen minutes and I mean by today 's standards you know people would like what an hour and fifteen minute movie that's that 's crazy how How can you do that but it's a, it's surprising but yet it 's not given how how sort of facile they are at at, at, at or i should say being economical. Uh, with with their storytelling and and nothing is excessive. They really drill down to the to the nuts and bolts of the story and and the point they're trying to make. But yet it never feels rushed. Like again, going off of The Bride of Frankenstein, that never feels too too quick. It never feels too long. It it really is that right balance. And I think it just sort of goes to that argument that runtime is really an imaginary concept because. I think it's uh, Roger Ebert who famously said the, the the best movies are always too short and the worst movies are always too long or, or something to that effect and that is that is very much uh, the case and I just think it's it's rather fascinating how uh, many of these you know classic films Dracula Frankenstein are are not these two hour epics they're not even an hour and thirty minutes they're they're just barely an hour and and change and. Again, I think it's sort of an interesting, uh, an interesting lesson. I would be fascinated if a movie uh, of that scope and nature could be made uh, today with the same kind. Of uh, uh, of tricks and whatnot, because I, I I don't know how modern audiences would react to it. Because I mean, certainly people uh, sort of cry foul sometimes when a movie is is three hours long or, or more than that. I I would be curious how people would respond to a movie that is just over an hour. What would be the uh, the, the takeaway from that? But yeah, the, the the Bride of Frankenstein was really the Really, the 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 most celebrated of watches uh, this week. That that is just a, a a classic in every sense of the word, and 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 worthy of sort of being the headliner, if you will, of the Universal Monster Collection. Uh, you, you can see why uh, Boris Karloff really was cemented as this iconic monster in the eyes of the public, even still to this day. And and I was sort of fascinated you know, going through it, how much of the film really. You know carries over into horror films th- throughout the years I mean even into the into the modern modern day I mean there's a scene in the film where the monster is at the bottom of a well and he's crawling his way up after being trapped in the fire and My mind couldn't help but go to a similar scene in a more recent Halloween movie Halloween Kills, where the firemen are in the burning house, and then Michael is is. Reaching his way up through the hole, and you know the the fireman extends his hand, not knowing Michael's there, and there's a very same uh, situation uh, in The Bride of Frankenstein. So I'm I'm sure that wasn't uh, a coincidence, but it's just sort of uh, interesting to see sort of you know uh, the rhythm, if you will, of all of these films, and frankly, how much of our modern perception about horror films and what we associate with them. All goes back to those universal monster movies. I mean, they they may be old, they may be you know hackneyed in some in some areas, but they really do uh, hold up, and they set the stage for what is to come in in the years that have followed, all the way here to the twenty first century. And I expect they will continue to inspire and and. uh sort of, you know, pop up again, replicate in in many other formats uh, for horror films to come. So again, it, it, it all goes back to the originals, shall we say. But uh, that, I think, does it for today's episode. I uh, wanted to kind of keep it a little on the, uh, on the brief side. Again, kind of in keeping with the, uh, the, the comment about, uh, about Frankenstein or the, the bride of Frankenstein. But, uh, that is all that I have for you today. Again, I'll be back next week with another episode. I will have my review of you for uh, Lisa Frankenstein and, uh, also going to be, uh, before the, the month is out doing, a A review, as promised about the killers of the flower moon, the uh, celebrated uh, film by Martin Scorsese that really is both devastating and and powerful all at once. It really is one of those films that. That stays with you, and, I, and I'm looking forward to sharing with you my thoughts in uh, in a few weeks' time. But that is all that I have for you today. Uh, again, if you haven't had your fill of me here, I would uh, recommend that you check out uh, the other show that I uh, co-host with my two friends, Chris Evans and Anthony Caruso, DC Unlimited. Uh, we drop new episodes every couple of weeks. We actually just dropped one uh, this week, so uh, look for that in your feed. And again, if you're uh, if you haven't, have, haven't had your fill of me and you want to hear us go on about dc and and batman and all of the uh upcoming projects uh, as part of the uh dc universe you can check out dc unlimited uh wherever you get your podcast but on that note that's all that i have for you today uh with this particular show i'll be back next week and we'll do this all over again for the love of movies All copyright material used or referenced in this show belong to the rightful owners and is made possible by the Fair Use Act. Thank you for listening to Phil at the Movies.